our job is to really provide information, provide as much data as we have, as we know, accurate, as unbiased as possible. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What does it mean to be truly informed regarding your pregnancy and birth? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 229 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Dr. Elliot Berlin, who is an award-winning prenatal chiropractor, childbirth educator, labor support body worker, and co-founder of Berlin Wellness Group in Los Angeles, California. Dr. Berlin graduated summa cum laude from Life University of Chiropractic in Atlanta, Georgia, so not far from me, and the Atlanta School of Massage. Now, his separate schooling in massage therapy, body work, and chiropractic form the backbone of his super innovative pre- and postnatal wellness care techniques. So he uses this unique chirosage session to soothe and relax tight, painful muscles, restore motion to restricted joints. And these 30 to 45 minute treatments effectively address most pregnancy aches and pains in just a few visits and promote healthy, comfortable, and functional pregnancy and an ideal environment for labor and delivery. Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy Project aims to utilize multiple forms of media. He uses podcasts, YouTube series, documentaries, and online workshops to compile and deliver unbiased information about pregnancy and childbirth to empower new and expectant parents to make informed choices regarding their pregnancy and parenting journey. So Dr. Berlin lives in Los Angeles with his wife, perinatal psychologist, Dr. Alyssa Berlin, and their four fantastic kids. Now, this bio is so impressive, and I'm telling you, it does not even scratch the surface of what he and his wife, Alyssa, have created. I am so blown away by all that they're doing to support families, and I am thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Berlin today. Let's waste no time and jump right in. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this show is not medical advice, it's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Dr. Elliot Berlin, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Oh my goodness, thanks for having me, Caitlin. I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm sure that people are going to know who you are already. My listeners probably already somewhat introduced to you. They probably know you host a podcast because you've got a great radio voice. Uh, But for those who don't, would you mind taking just a moment to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Sure. My name is Elliot Berlin. I'm a chiropractor. I live in Los Angeles. My practice is mostly pre- and postnatal care and growing families in general. My wife is a perinatal psychologist, so she helps individuals and couples before, during, and after having a baby, and we work together. So that's lovely most of the time. Sometimes it can be hard to work with your partner. In this case, she just takes us into her office and does therapy with us, and (laughs) I try not to let that happen too often because I can't really afford her. So (laughs) uh, we have four beautiful kids. Um, They're getting big now, four little teenagers, and uh, poof. One day you're looking at strollers, one day you're looking at college. That's mm-hmm. uh, 
that's our practice and uh, on the media side we do have the informed pregnancy podcast an informed pregnancy blog and all new informed pregnancy plus streaming service with uh, lots of documentaries and web series and meditations and workshops all about right now pregnancy birth and postpartum and slowly expanding a little bit wider into fertility and parenting all the way through teenhood Wow. Uh, that is so impressive. Knowing how much work goes into these kinds of things, and then you have an actual thriving practice. You've got kids. This is amazing work that the two of you are doing. Really incredible. Uh, we've been very blessed. So we're, we're thankful. Well, so I would love to hear how this actually all began, because I know when we were speaking earlier before the episode began recording, you are from a pretty medical background. And now it seems like you've got this really holistic lens of pregnancy and birth and beyond. So what, what, what has this journey been like for you? Well, yeah, I, I, when I was very young, I think seven years old, I saw a CPR class happening and I was mortified. I was like, what are they doing to that poor woman with no arms and no legs? And uh, when they explained to me that you could use your body to be somebody's heart and lungs, and keep them alive until they can get advanced medical care, mind blown. I just automatically from that point had a one-track mind. I want to do healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. And to me, healthcare was medicine. That's all I knew. So, you know, whenever somebody was sick in my family, I was like blending together. Okay, so you have the fever. So I'm going to give you some Tylenol and you have the cough. So I'm going to give you this cough, Rabitacin medicine, and you have these symptoms. And at the end of the day, I was basically making NyQuil. I just had to put in some alcohol. And, uh, you know, that that I was like, yeah, I got all the symptoms covered. I'm the best practitioner there ever was. And I was like, you know, 12. So after that, I, I started taking all those courses, uh, CPR and first aid and responding to emergencies. And eventually when I was 17, I, I took the EMT, the New York State EMT course. And I started when I was 18, right, right when you're allowed to, uh, working in ambulances and emergency rooms, volunteering, and also having a paid job doing that. And uh, I just was totally in, I, I, you know, knee deep. Uh, when I was 19 and in college, I was pre-med and also speech and drama. Just, I don't know why. And uh, I, I come from a long line of speech and drama majors. So fascinating blend. So um, I started uh, pre-med and speech and drama. And uh, during that year, uh, my father died suddenly from... Uh, a heart issue that was partially caused by a medical mix-up. And um, at that moment, I just, uh, it sucked everything out of me. And I I still respect medicine a lot and drugs and surgery in particular. I just became acutely aware of how anything that has the power to heal also has the power to harm. And um, I wanted to be on the more natural side, working with the body instead of working against it. I wanted to try to preventative-wise help people avoid getting to that point and so i after college just took a year to research like how else can you provide healthcare without drugs and surgery i looked through a lot of different modalities and i fell in love with the combination of chiropractic and massage um, because they're deeply intertwined you don't have a muscular system and a vacuum from your skeletal system you have a deeply connected musculoskeletal system and uh, working through both of those uh, just seemed like the jam to me. So I went to school separately for both, smushed them together. And then my wife was studying psychology at that point. When we finished our grad school studies, we said, hey, let's have a baby. And we followed the instructions and absolutely no baby came out. And we ended up on a three-year intense fertility struggle journey 
um very young by the way still in our 20s and at the end of it they just said you exhausted everything we have we don't have any more technology for you we don't think you'll ever have babies together but we don't know why and uh we suggest you look at alternative pathways to parenthood so um at that point we were pretty broke we <laughs> were new grad students with lots of loans um uh, graduates with lots of loans and um anything that we had earned work-wise we had put into fertility treatments and it was hard on the relationship it was hard on us individually on our mind body and spirit and so we just decided at that moment we weren't even really fit to be parents so um we we just took time to to work on ourselves to spend a lot of time together uh, without the roller coaster fertility treatments to bond to rekindle that spark into a fiery passion and to work on our physical health uh, with better nutrition and our mental health with uh, meditation and uh, some modalities like Chinese medicine and uh, I don't know roughly nine months or so later we started to feel a lot better and um, we also moved to Los Angeles right around that time. And once we got settled, we're like, hey, let's let's see what they meant by alternative pathways to parenthood. And we found out we were pregnant. And then uh, every two years, another baby came out like we couldn't turn it off. Wow. Wow. There's so much. There's so much there. And I, it makes you wonder how, I mean, even just the move, just moving to a different location that seemingly fit what you, the two of you needed how impactful that can be in and of itself yeah i i really can't say exactly what what helped us but um you know everything i i've learned since then tells me that the nervous system when it wants you to get pregnant will do everything it can to fight for a healthy pregnancy and and birth and when it doesn't then it'll do everything it can to prevent that. So, um, you know, the difference between being fight or flight mode where your body's like, not a good time, not a good time. Mm -hmm. I'm to, telling you, man, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> to being more in your parasympathetic state where it is a good time. You know, uh, what helped us cross the bridge? I don't know. I think a lot of the things that we did for ourselves helped us. We just felt a lot better. Mm -hmm. And so when we came to Los Angeles, opened our mind-body practice, we we were focused on general health but we always had an eye for helping people boost their natural fertility and early on we had a couple of pregnancies come through and then it just snowballed babies everywhere and that's what kind of led us into this uh, pre and postnatal practice we still do a little bit of fertility work um and uh it, it's been great and so along the way i would start to be working with people who have these questions about things like VBAC or um I don't know, breach birth. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would just be like, I don't know, let me look into it. And then when it came to VBAC, especially, I'm like, I don't understand why you're having such a hard time finding somebody who will just attend your birth without doing surgery right. um, based on the obstetric risk that seemed to be present, just based on data alone. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, but um, the more I would study, the more I would realize people need more information on this. And mm -hmm. so I would try to take more medicalized lingo, turn it into easily digestible lingo and post it either as a blog or as a, we had a magazine for a while. And then uh, when podcasting came out, I'm like, no, let's try this thing. And when was um, that? Uh, 11 years ago. 11 years. Yeah. You are an OG, my yeah. friend. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. My my first episode I recorded in the studio where Pink records her albums. It cost like $2,000. <laughs> uh I was like, okay, I can make one of these every two years. 
That's incredible. My Very fancy thing. stuff. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to need like Google to sponsor this. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I'm curious to hear, you know, timeline. So you are starting this practice and working with uh, families when it comes to conception and pregnancy, postpartum, all while you are having your own children and going through this journey. What was your personal journey like, uh, you and your wife with pregnancy and birth? How, how did you how did you approach that first pregnancy and birth experience? Yeah, so for the first one, we did all the Moz class. We didn't know anything. I mean, who's exposed to childbirth ever? So right. we didn't know anything. And um, the Lamaze class was sort of helpful. Um, and I we had a doula, which was the life-saving element of our life. I mean, literally, she, she changed everything. And um, ahead of time, the doula gave us some useful information, helped us kind of picture things and sort of see if we had to make choices, which ones would be more interesting to us. Uh, and, uh, it was a long birth. It was a long 42 hour birth. It, the plan was to do it at the hospital unmedicated, not because of our holistic prowess, but because my wife really didn't want a giant needle in her spine going near her spinal cord. And so she's like, I'd rather just deal with the intensity. And, um, again, with just watching her do that, it was so long and, and, uh, she did have some back labor and I, I was doing a lot of, uh, counter pressure and, uh, even for me, it was like intense. <laughs> and I was like, can't imagine what this is like for her. And the doula just just made it so much better. I mean, both in terms of supporting my wife and anticipating her needs and uh, sort of having the remedy before the need even presented itself. Um, and also just sort of guiding me, like, here's something that you can do that's helpful. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys are are sort of problem solvers. We don't like to see our partners in discomfort. And um, by giving me things that I could do, whether it's just a simple cool washcloth when she's overheating or something, or press over here, uh, it, it was really helpful to to both of us. And uh, we had her for all, all of the other three births as well. So um, it was a great experience, um, long, intense, and beautiful. And uh, by the time we had our second baby, so I, you know, I do body work and uh, people started to say, hey, I think this will be helpful when I'm in labor. And I was starting to be invited to births to do body work while people were in labor. And uh, after being at a few of those births, I realized, you know, I should have more tools in my tool belt if I'm going to be at birth. It's such a sacred, interesting environment, and uh, I'm definitely an unusual character in there. Um, What can I do to be more sensitive, be more comfortable, make it comfortable for everyone, including me? So I said, let me do doula training. You know, it'll be great. My wife is a psychologist, and sometimes people who have especially, you know, extra concerns, anxieties that are uh, above average or OCD or other things that they bring with them to a birth. Um, And she's like, yeah, I'll do it with you. We'll do it together. And so uh, we probably among the only husband and wife couples that have done doula training together. Uh, And it was really beautiful and special. And I never intended to be a doula, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end, it's like, well, you're supposed to go to three births as a doula. And so I started doing births as a doula. And then people are like, wait, I want you to be my doula. I want you to be my doula. Um, Again, almost entirely for my hands. Uh, And I started going to more and more births and I started getting invited to home births and, 
I I was mind blown. Just the difference on every single level was mind blowing. And I would come home and tell my wife about it. I'm like, baby, this is this is so different. And um, with our second one, I think we sort of thought about having a home birth. Uh, at that point, it was really weird because through insurance, our birth would be free at the hospital and like six thousand dollars at home. Uh, and also we were living in a very tiny house with a two-year-old. And as much as I had opened my mind to home birth, having the two-year-old there seemed a little weird. Uh, so we did another hospital birth and it was fine. It was very quick. Actually, it was like, it was like two and a half hours mm. and, uh, we were in the hospital for like 18 minutes. Nice. And, uh, I was like, Ugh, why did we waste all that gas? And then <laughs> for the third baby, we we wanted again to home birth, same insurance issue, but and same house issue. But now there was a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and the birth had gone so quick and easy. Like I always say, don't expect quick and easy, but it really well quick anyway. It was intense, mm -hmm. but um, compared to the first one, my wife would describe it as quick and easy. Right. And um, for the third one, we're just like, oh, let's let's. We really came close. We interviewed midwives. We. Uh, and then we decided to do it at the hospital again. And that one was really interesting because the second birth was so fast. They just kept saying, the second you have surges, come to the hospital right away, come to the hospital right away, you know? And so after an hour, she woke, my wife woke up with surges. After an hour, we went to the hospital and she was like three centimeters. And an hour later, she was like three and a half centimeters. And like, it's going really slow. We should break your water and start a little bit. Um, whoa, why? Why? And uh, like we waited nine months. Why do we? Why big rush? What's we just came in right when it started because that's what you said to do. Mm -hmm. And eventually we're like, can can we just go home and then um, you know come back when it picks up? And they're like, well, if you're not going to let us do anything, hmm. so and then might as well get out of here. <laughs> we went home, put our our other kids to bed, and then um, we got back to the hospital and things just moved very quickly again. And I remember my wife was like laboring on all fours and the nurse came in and she's like, you got to get on your back. And uh, I I was like, why? And she's like, well, that's how we give birth. And like, she seems really comfortable there. And it just started to get a little bit heated. And then the resident came in because the doctor wasn't going to make it. And the resident sort of was like, oh, no, that's OK. I could tell where the baby's coming from in either position. Yeah, get the vagina. Like <laughs> 25 years of med school and you know, of school to okay. So and then we did it, but it was just like that whole experience was was uncomfortable. And by the next time, by our fourth kid, we had thankfully moved into a much bigger house. There was room. Um, we were deeper in practice, you know, the expense of midwife wasn't as daunting. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to do a home birth, and it, it was very quick and beautiful at home. Um, in the tub and uh yeah just just like i had seen it now so many times and then we felt it um it, it was so beautiful the only thing i would i would say that i wasn't prepared for was uh when when my wife stepped out of the tub in that bloody water mix uh we should have had an old towel there um and instead i was out to cvs getting uh, a toothbrush and hydrogen peroxide so the grout 
we saved the grout before the kids woke up um and they slept through it all but outside of that was the most gorgeous experience and um i think we're both really happy we did it, it you know it, and and the most amazing thing was like my wife was holding him just beneath the surface of the water after he came out and then we could just see as she pulled him through the water that first breath and he's his sweet little blue eyes just looking at us uh you know like oh i guess you're my parents you know mm-hmm. uh I don't know, just such a different experience so that's our evolution and um now you know been to a lot of different births in a lot of different settings and uh i think the most important thing is that someone gives birth in the setting that's right for them but when home birth is the right setting for them and they do it and they have that that experience uh it's always just uh, uh i don't know i'm always crying at the end mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it, it truly is just, it's such a magical thing to be able to watch someone bring forth a life, a totally new human. And I, my husband and I were about to have our third as we record this. And uh, there have been a few times in the last few days where he's said, you know, I can't believe like we're going to have another family member. There's this whole new person that's that's here already, but is going to be external soon. And it's just, I mean, what what a cool experience. And to be able to have that with calm and quiet and peace in your own home, it's that's incredible. I'm so glad the two of you got to experience that together. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I am so fascinated with, you know, your the evolution of how you've provided care. And you mentioned that some of the things that people have asked you about, you know, are breech birth, VBACs, uh, these topics, I want to hear your perspectives on them. I want to hear how you have come to believe what you believe and what it is that you try to to teach your your patients. So let's talk about VBAC. Sure. I, I, I mean, I'm forever a student of life. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to improve. Uh, and what I think landed for me was, and, and it's infused in the name, informed pregnancy, is that which should really be a subdivision of informed healthcare in mm-hmm. in general, uh, is that our job is to really provide information, provide as much data as we have, as we know, accurate, as unbiased as possible, and to say these are the options you have in front of you and here are the pros and cons as we know them. And then only you could make a choice as to which option is best for you and your family. You're the one who has to go through it. You're the one who lives with the consequences. And um, there's always risks involved. And you have to choose which risk you want to take for which benefit. And with the same exact data, one person will definitely strongly choose option A, and the other person will strongly choose option B. And um, it's very subjective risk. So you you shouldn't really have these choices made for you. And they will be unless you have information. Mm-hmm. And so the reason we we do all this media is to try to deliver the information so that people have the empowerment to be an active part of the decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, and VBAC is a great example of that. I mean, if you have a cesarean birth, then your next birth, you have really two choices, another cesarean or a vaginal birth after cesarean. Neither one as risk-free as having a vaginal birth and then having another vaginal birth. Um, But which risks and benefits, again, and 
you could only choose which choice you'd like to aim for if you know the risks and benefits involved. And so um, what happens in healthcare today, I think a lot is that as, as a provider, you're pulled in a lot of different directions. You know, I want to do what's best for you, my patient. Otherwise, I never would have gone into healthcare. But at the same token, sometimes that conflicts with what's best for me as a provider, either in terms of my time commitment to you, uh, liability to me in the choices that we make together, uh, what insurance will A, cover for me in terms of liability and B, cover for you in terms of uh, treatments that you get. Um, and so any human who's a provider sort of has to take all of these things into account. And one of them, hopefully the primary one, is what's best for you, my client, but not all of them. So the only person who's taking into account in this decision-making is what's best for you as the recipient is uh, you. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that without information. So when it came to VBAC, it just sort of became clear there's a risk. You know, that scar from the original cesarean is not normal uterine tissue. It will act differently. Um, maybe in conception, it will act differently during the pregnancy and it could act differently during birth. And if that scar thins out or, or opens up, that can create some complications. And uh, what are the chances that'll happen? What would what what are the kind of things that would be consequences if that does happen? And same for repeat cesarean. What are the risks there? What are the odds of those risks and what are the chances? And even for two people, there might be uh there might be other considerations. Like for one person, I just had a person recently who was planning to have five or six kids. That's what they do in the community. So um, she had a C-section with her first, you know, the importance to her of having a vaginal birth after cesarean with the second is huge because that that sort of dictates, you know, they tell her you can only do like three, maybe four C-sections, um, you know, and each time you do them, the risk changes also. So it's it's the kind of decision you could really only make if you have the data. Now, on the other hand, you also have to have support from providers, which for VBAC still to this day is hard to find in some parts of the country. And yeah. so um, that's that's why you got to sort of take take a grip on your own information, figure out what your choices are, align yourself with providers who are supportive of what you want to do and uh, and do it. So we, we made a documentary about that called Trial of Labor. And um, I took out all the talking heads. There's no doctors, there's no researchers, there's no experts or professionals. It's moms telling their story. Four moms who previously only had cesarean birth, one or two, and are now pregnant again and looking for a more empowered experience. And uh, as soon as we took out all the talking heads, that that film became so much more powerful. Wow. Yeah. It's. I mean, that is the meat of things. And I know that in your podcast, it's very similar to mine, where so much of this is storytelling. So much of this is giving mothers the opportunity to share their experience, because that's, that's what we want to hear. Sometimes it just takes knowing there's someone else out there who has done this, who's experienced this, and, and being able to glean from that information. That's really powerful. Yeah. And in that way, we're on, we're on the same team. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're both pieces of a of a puzzle of a much bigger picture that when we come together, uh, you know, can do very powerful work. And you know, I think it's 
it's really interesting to look back at your own experience. It was your the third child that you had where you and your wife had gone into the hospital and, you know, they're wanting to do these interventions. And you said, you know, well, can we just go home? Like, why don't we just go home? Uh, and I think that that is just really such a perfect example of taking ownership and taking responsibility of your situation. And so many of us, myself included, you know, I ended up going to the ER about a year ago thinking I had an appendicitis. And the way that I was treated by the medical staff where it was not like, hey, here are your options. You know, we can check this or or you could do that or maybe we can look into this. It was you're going to have this, we're going to do that, you're going to do this. And it's this dynamic, uh, such a, a power dynamic, you know, and I feel that so often families can go into the hospital with this perception of this is what I want, this is how I'm going to do things, and then immediately be met with no, well, no, this is how we do it. Um, and feeling that they don't have the ability to, to ask for what they want or receive what they want. And so having all of this information that you are providing through informed pregnancy through your podcast your blogs your documentaries it provides that information so that when we are in that situation we can say oh actually you know what i i, I think i'd like to do something differently and, and feel confident in that yeah i mean that's that's absolutely the goal you know it's interesting one of the things i noticed that's different about home birth and hospital birth is that that autonomy like it in the hospital, you are constantly asking, can I do this? Can I have that? Can I eat this, drink that, go to the bathroom, take a shower, get in the water? And at home, it's like the exact opposite. If anybody's asking, it's us, your care provider saying, oh, hey, Caitlin, would it be okay for us to use this towel? Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> is that all right? Yeah, it's just a totally different, aside from everything else, which is mm -hmm. even bigger, just that one element of like, who's who's running this show? Who's this about? And it's about you at, at, at home. It's you're the decision maker. You're the power maker. There are people around you to support you if you want them there. And uh, hopefully they're totally in line with you. But it's you, you, you making choices. And, you know, you, you've got like a billion sensors in there that tell you if you're hungry or that tell you if you need to use the restroom or move around. And, uh, you know, how how could somebody else make those decisions for you? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Now, there's definitely a... a a type of personality type that wants somebody to make all those decisions for you. And there are plenty of great providers to do that for you. Mm -hmm. But for the people who, you know, want to make their own choices or at least be an active part of that decision-making um, the system's not really greatly set up for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and when we think about stepping into parenthood and the ability to, work with providers, you know, we're talking about in the home birth setting to work with providers who are asking you, how encouraging is that in that process of, okay, I'm, I can do this. I can make decisions. I'm, I am capable of taking care of this child that was, was given to me to care for. I can do that. And these people see that they're asking me, they're asking questions. Whereas in other types of situations that that's not often the case. And sometimes that can be really disempowering stepping into parenthood, feeling like, well, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, and then there's the entire birth 
this is like observations of a male doula, but birth mm-hmm. can really happen seemingly under the greater influence of one or two hormones. You could either have oxytocin or you could have adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And adrenaline is the stop birth hormone. And oxytocin is the promote birth hormone. And things that make oxytocin present, release in your bloodstream, are feeling safe, calm, quiet, intimate, close. And things that make adrenaline come are are more like bright and startling and, um, you know, fearful. And when you just look at the two settings of a typical hospital birth and a typical home birth, it's so clear that one of them is much more conducive to oxytocin, which is going to make labor progress forward. And one of them is under the fear of adrenaline, which makes labor kind of halt. It's that uh, there, there was a, a video on YouTube of a of a cat giving birth in a closet and the excited pet owner kind of wanted to catch it on camera. And as soon as they opened the door and the spotlight, you know, the light from the camera hit the cat, she kind of stood up with a kitten half hanging out of her and started pacing back and forth mm-hmm. and then went under the bed where it was nice and dark and continued to deliver her kitten. Mm-hmm. So it's just an animalistic instinct. Like when we're fearful and don't feel totally safe and relaxed, adrenaline pops out and literally stops labor. You're fighting yourself in labor. And when oxytocin comes out, it's the exact opposite. And that's the effect on on the body, on the uterus, but also on the mind. Oxytocin okay. being that very powerful mind calming and uh, pleasing uh, uh, hormone. And so uh, when people say, oh, I, I I want a medicated birth, I'm like, well, all birth is medicated. It's either medicated externally or you make your own drugs. I love uh, it. And the ones you Compounding make are, pharmacy right here. Literally, wherever you go. And the ones you make <laughs> are much cooler than the ones we can give you. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I recently had a student of mine who I interviewed on the, for the podcast who we talk about inside of both of my programs, you know, that idea of what does your animal do? They go to the closet, they go to some dark space to give birth. And so she was jokingly telling people, you know, they said like, are you gonna have a water birth? And she was like, I don't know, I might just give birth in my closet. And lo and behold, (laughs) this mother ended up giving birth in her closet closet? and it's the coolest story ever it was just so quick it was it was such a quick birth she was just trying to take her pants off but the baby was like well i you said the (laughs) thing about the closet and that seemed great to me um but yeah i mean it it is so incredible just that ability to be in a closed safe comfortable space and what that does to our bodies and now you mentioned the nervous system i know that you are you must be a geek about the nervous system with being a body worker, being a chiropractor, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what is it that you recommend for mothers in pregnancy or and even husbands too, you know, the, the family dynamic when it comes to the nervous system, what can we be doing in pregnancy to prepare for this birthing experience and, and really for parenthood? Yeah, so the, the conscious mind is really where we focus in terms of of that uh the mind is any part of your body any human tissue can store thoughts memories emotions it's not just the brain and so the mind is the body and the body is the mind and you can't separate them 
the conscious mind, if you're looking at an iceberg, is the little tip that sticks up above the surface. And it's what you're experiencing, thinking, and feeling right now in this present moment. Everything else is unconscious. It's under the surface. It's there. So if you have a fear of flying, you're not afraid. Generally, you don't feel the fear uh, until maybe you're headed to the airport or getting onto an airplane or something like that, right? So, um, you know, I, I think that being able to control your conscious mind, what you're thinking about experiencing and feeling right now, is one of the strongest tools we have in life for um, accomplishing and enduring anything. Anything you do, you can do better if you can control your conscious mind. Um, and one of the best ways to get there is through meditation. Meditation is kind of practicing the ability that you your accessibility to control what's on that stage in the conscious mind so you know anxiety is usually thoughts that keep repeating or you you're constantly thinking about worst outcome possibilities and whatnot in life and things that you can't do anything about in this moment things that you have to wait for more data or more things to fall into place but they still occupy your mind but if you have the ability to open up an unconscious filing cabinet drawer stuff that in there and close it where it's accessible when there is something you can do about it later down the road but it's not occupying your conscious mind that would be very powerful and that is something you can do with the art of meditation i think that when it comes to birth uh you know all you have to do is watch an elephant give birth one time and how there's this one in particular on uh, on youtube called risky business how this birth at a elephant sanctuary in bali she, she they they happened to see her going into labor and caught it on film but she kind of is on her own there's nobody around her she labors and does not look fearful does not make a lot of noise she's sort of doing this little dance and she's crouching and and boom the baby comes out and then she me immediately turns around and starts using her trunk to assess the baby like neonatal care and the baby's not breathing. And now she gets a little bit more anxious and you can see it. She, you see the fear in her face. And uh, she sort of kicks the baby a little bit, uh, kind of like we would maybe s s tickle their foot or slap them in the bum a little to try to get them breathing. That doesn't work. And eventually she wraps her trunk around the baby's little tiny trunk, lifts up her head and gives a little yank and the baby starts to breathe. Wow. And it's like, how did this woman who never took a class, listened to a podcast, watch a documentary, doesn't have a doula, a midwife, a doctor, anybody. How does she know how to give birth so perfectly and so beautifully? And then to turn around and do all the neonatal care. How does she realize the baby's not breathing? How does she know that's a problem? How does she have remedies? And it just becomes clear that every woman has that. Human women have that too. But you're not going to be able to hear those voices if your conscious mind is super noisy. Like mm -hmm. I know what I know inherently what to eat and how much to eat, but I sometimes don't hear that voice because on the way to work, I pass like eight billboards with stacks of pancakes with syrup and butter dripping down them. And that clouds my mind. So in terms of the nervous system, I think the best thing you can do is, is start to, for, for birth or for any parenting or for any part of life, the more you practice meditation, the more you can control your conscious mind and shut it off when you need to hear your unconscious mind, which has so much more um, data, so much more information. Like our innate intelligence is much wiser than our educated intelligence. We just don't really get to be in touch with it very often. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I totally agree. There's just so much going on around us. There's so much to distract us. There are so many opinions, so many people saying, yeah, I'm well-meaning, wonderful people. I have opinions. You have opinions. We're all giving our opinions. And sometimes that is, is just so much distraction because, well, Caitlin said this and this other person said that where really there's so much depth to just going internally and listening, cultivating, recultivating our intuition uh, and that instinctual ability that we were born with. I call it the primal mother. You know, it is, it is that, that deep inner knowing it's there. It's not like it's something that has to be taught or learned. It's more of get all the other stuff out of the way that needs to go so that you can go internally and access what you have had all along, just like this elephant. Yeah, exactly. We uh, women in particular, are just very, very capable and very powerful. Um, you just you got to be able to get in touch with that side of your of your operating system. I love it. Wow. Dr. Berlin, you are such a fascinating person. You have so much going on. You've created so many amazing resources. It has been such an honor to have you on this podcast. Would you mind sharing with the listeners just some of your favorite ways for for people to check out your information? Oh, absolutely. Um, On Instagram, we're at Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. We have pretty much links to everything there. Informedpregnancy.com. It also has access to the podcast, the blog, and Informed Pregnancy Plus. And that's the thing we're most excited about now. Informed Pregnancy Plus is available at informedpregnancy.tv. It also has apps for Apple, Android, and and Roku. And uh, anybody can try it out for free to get in there. We have some of the most iconic documentaries like The Business of Being Born, Orgasmic Birth, The Mama Sherpa's Breast Milk, and uh, really important films about less exciting topics like hyperemis gravidarum. Uh, we have a, a UK film called Sick. And even if you don't have that condition, it's really important for people to learn about it because it's different than nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. And the earlier somebody can realize that's what they have, uh, the better the pregnancy and the outcomes will be. Um, we also have several uh, several different either web series or documentaries on um, pregnancy loss and uh, stillbirth which are i think topics that are under discussed and um, we would much be in a much better position to endure them and to support other people going through them if there was greater conversation about it Um, there's some series that we're producing original content like empowered mama which is people have been through uh challenging pathways to motherhood but emerged stronger and now are are sort of inspiring other people during their harder times. Uh, My birth, where women share their stories, their birth stories uh, with video and and pictures to enhance and bring you kind of deeper into the experience. And Baby Booknook, which is a fun um, video book review of some of the uh, books about pregnancy and parenting that I think are interesting. So far, we've done Emily Oster's Expecting Better uh, and Lily Nichols' Real Food for Pregnancy. And uh, Britta Bushnell's Transformed by Birth. And uh, now we're just getting ready to do Armin Brat's uh, The Expectant Father to, uh, to get the dads a little bit more involved as well. And, um, you know, it's uh, like I said, the whole goal is to give 
the resources. I, I live in Los Angeles where a lot of these things are available to people all around. Uh, there's yoga studios everywhere here uh, and they have prenatal classes, but not everybody has access to this type of information. And uh, so there too, we kind of put workshops on there. We have pre and postnatal yoga, pre and postnatal exercise classes, uh, just all the tools that we hope will make the pregnancy, birth, postpartum parenting experience more empowered and uh, a better journey. Mm. Well, I am so impressed and so inspired and truly humbled and grateful to have you on the podcast, Dr. Berlin. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Caitlin. How amazing is Dr. Berlin? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I just want to reiterate some of the points that I felt were so powerful. Number one, our bodies are so innately intelligent. Dr. Elliot shared how he and his wife, Dr. Alyssa, were trying so desperately to become pregnant, and yet there was something going on in their body minds that just wasn't ready for the grand task of creating a child. When they began focusing on their minds, their hearts, their physical bodies, and even their location, they were then able to conceive. Safety had been met. Healing the nervous system allowed their bodies to feel comfortable with the idea of conception. Next, I love Dr. Berlin's discussion of the conscious and unconscious mind. How our ability to move our worries out of our conscious mind can be so powerful in terms of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. I am always reminded of Matthew 6.27 when I consider anxiety and my own struggle and recovery in that area where Jesus says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And finally, let's talk about the bread and butter of Dr. Berlin's message. Information. It is just so critical to recognize that no one, not even your precious midwife, is going to care about your outcomes and experience as much as you are. Nobody will be as affected by how your birth experience transpires as you and your family. So, that being the weighty truth, what do we do? We take seriously both our gaining of knowledge and our ability to listen to our intuition. When we know what's possible for us in both of these realms and use them together wisely, we can walk into our pregnancy, our birth experience, parenthood, feeling like the confident, primal parent we were designed to be. Okay, my friends, what a treat. Be sure to go check out Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy podcast. The interview that I did with him will be airing later on this week. But that's all I've got for you for today, and I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.